they can head on back to class. If you missed last week's sermon, I encourage you to go back and, uh, and listen to it as it sets you up for not only this week, but for the next couple weeks as well. And uh, but we'll be in Psalm 73 today to start us off. We're going to look at several passages today, but we're going to start in Psalm 73. Remember last week we started a series called Real Christianity. And uh, we looked at kind of the skeleton outline for the next four weeks, well, the next three weeks now, uh, using the acrostic for the word real. Does anybody remember what R stood for? Relationship. Good, that's what we're talking about today. Does anybody remember what E stands for? Evangelism. Good, give me an A. Uh, who, who remembers what A stands for? Attitude. And L? Leadership. Good. Uh, Sarah and John win the awards today. Um, I had somebody in our basketball team, a parent, say, hey, I listened to your sermon. She said, I've been meaning to listen for a while, and, and I finally listened. And she said, I guessed them all but L. Uh, so she had, them, she had it figured out and was ready to go, and we appreciate people listening. Uh, but like I said, if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Uh, because it will help prepare you for the weeks that are coming as well. And, uh, and now this sermon today on relationship, this is a topic I've preached on multiple times since I originally preached on this back in 2014. The other three points, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't been able to find where I've preached them since. I may have, um, but this one I have talked about before because it is, and they're all important. This one is so crucial because it is the starting point, right, it is where everything kind of is based off of. Without R, without relationship, the, the Christian life is, is meaningless. And, uh, and so to be able to look at relationship and kind of help us dive deeper into this, and then next week we'll look at evangelism, then attitude, then leadership uh, in, in the weeks ahead. So look with me in Psalm 73, starting in verse 22. It says, So foolish was I and ignorant, I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. It says there in verse 28, it is good for me to draw near to God. And that's our prayer this morning, that we draw near to God and grow our relationship with him. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help. God, we do thank you for letting us come. Lord, we thank you for your willingness uh, to adopt us into your family. Uh, Lord, that we can now be a child of the King. Lord, that we can now be a, a family with God Almighty. And Lord, I pray that as, uh, as many, if not all of us, have already started our relationship, uh, meaning with salvation, Lord, that we will not stop there, but Lord, that we will draw closer and closer and closer to you each and every day. Help us today as we look into these verses 
that it would help us to do just that. And Lord, I do pray if there's someone here this morning that has yet to begin that relationship, has yet to accept and receive salvation from you, Lord, I pray that today they would understand their need for salvation, and Lord, they would receive it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We talked about a little bit last week, that the heartbeat or the desire of this church from the day that we started was to produce real Christians. Not just to be another church that looked the part, sounded the part, acted the part, but actual people going out and living the life that God desires for them to live. And we have to understand that God desires a relationship with us. We, we get all the benefit, right? What does God benefit from me having a relationship with him? Honestly, nothing. He doesn't need anything. I get all the benefit from my relationship with God. But having said that, we have to understand that God actually desires, wants a relationship with us. 1 John 4.10 says, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. The amazing thing about this relationship, and even though I have a, a role to play, so to say, in this relationship, things to do to grow this relationship, it's really not about me. Here in his love, that he loves me, not, not that I loved him, but that he loves me. And we should strive for a relationship with God. Acts 17, 27 says uh, that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him or search for him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. So he is attainable. I'll use that word. Attainable. This relationship with God is something that is attainable. It's not out of reach. And God actually says, if someone desires, I'm going to paraphrase the verse, if someone desires a relationship with me, they can have it. If they will seek, they will find. For I'm right here. I'm not far. And so as we look into this topic of relationship this morning, we're going to start with the idea or with the, the most crucial part of the relationship, the beginning, the introduction of it, salvation. But it goes so much further than that. And I want us to make sure that we don't fall asleep or that we don't wander off uh, if, if we're already saved. When we start talking about salvation, then we can never find our way back uh, to the rest of it, okay? Uh, but this is also good to understand because you want to tell other people this. And we'll talk about that next week in evangelizing. But, but you want to understand, make sure you comprehend this as well. So let's start. Point number one this morning, why don't we have a relationship with God? Right, if the, the most important thing to being a real Christian is our relationship with God, well, what is it that keeps us from having a relationship with God? And the simple answer is sin. Right, sin separates us from God. Before salvation and even after salvation, sin is the separating factor. It's what causes us to have uh, either no relationship with God or a hindered relationship with God. So how do I start that relationship? I know we've talked about this before, but please bear with me. How do I start that relationship with God? Romans 3.23 says, For all, important word, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. My favorite illustration, I've said it before, so I'll run through it quickly. Uh, Dr. John Van Gelder, and I heard other preachers use it too, but he's the first one I heard. John Van Gelder, an evangelist, uh, he says, he said, imagine going to the Grand Canyon, uh, which for me as a kid was very uh, fresh in my mind. We went as a young, as a young, young kids. And I, who's been to the Grand Canyon? All right, put your hand down. Uh, who's lame? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I'm just, 
You got to go. You got to go. If you've never been there, you got to go. It is, it's incredible. Go once. You don't need to go twice, but go once, see it, and so you can say you've seen it. And it really is spectacular. Uh, the, the Grand Canyon, if you don't know, <laughs> it's a big old hole in the ground. But it's a beautiful, beautiful hole in the ground. And it's, it's incredible. Um, it really is gorgeous. Uh, but you, you, can watch, you can see pictures. You can have people tell you about it. You won't get it until you go. It is spectacular. So John Van Gelderen says, okay, uh, we're going to have a contest. We're going to see who can jump over the Grand Canyon. By the way, that's impossible. Okay? Spoiler alert. And so he gets kids. This is, I heard this at camp. So he gets three kids up there. He says, all right, kid number one, uh, he says, uh, uh, you know, you're going to jump over the Grand Canyon. So how are you going to do this? You know, you want to get running as fast as you can so you can jump as far as you can. So you're going to go barefoot. Because everybody knows you run faster barefoot. So you can go barefoot. And so he has this kid, and he says his name, whatever. And he says, okay, he's going to jump. One, two, three. He runs. He jumps. And he jumps. To, uh, shish kebab at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Uh, kind of gory. But anyways, uh, he didn't make it. All right, so the next kid. Next kid's up. All right, uh, you know, barefoot didn't work. So this kid's going to try something different. Uh, he's going to try on some. Uh, some Adidas, and he's going to put them on, and he runs, he jumps, and shish kebab at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Okay, last, last kid comes up. I always remember this. Uh, he said, he's going to put on a pair of Nikes. And I thought to myself, all right, is that the off-brand? Is that the, the, the China, China version, you know, the, the kind that you get on Wish.com? Nikes? No, they're Nikes. Everybody knows they're Nikes. Why would you call them Nikes? I always, that always ruined the story for me. But anyways, uh, so this kid's going to put on Nikes, and uh, he's going to run, he's going to jump, he's going to go farther than everybody else, but he's still going to fall short. Shish kebab at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And the illustration is just to show us no one can jump across the Grand Canyon. It's impossible. All right, so no one can attain heaven on their own. It's impossible. All have sinned, and because of that sin, they fall short. They cannot attain it. They cannot accomplish it. Okay? Uh, Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin, the payment of sin, the penalty of sin is death. All right, so that tells us the result of our sin. We talked about this on Wednesday. Uh, how many sins do you have to commit to be a sinner? One sin. And as I said on Wednesday, if, you have, if you've had children... You understand that one sin comes very quickly in life. Okay, so sin uh, causes us to fall short of God. The punishment for sin, the penalty for sin, the payment for sin is death. And then it goes on to say the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we see a contrast, right? The penalty is, is death, uh, but the gift is life. Romans 5.8 says that God commendeth his love toward us and that while we are yet sinners, even though we're sinners, even though God knows our sin, he loved us and he gave himself for us. So he died on the cross for me even though he knew I was a sinner. Would you turn with me to Ephesians 2? I know many of you probably know this verse, but uh, if you don't mind turning there with me, Ephesians chapter 2. These are good for us to have marked in our Bible, good verses to have marked. Uh, and just so you're there, they're there for you as you see them. So we know that we're all sin and, and fall short of the glory of God. We know that the payment for sin is death. We know that God offers a gift, which is eternal life. And that gift is, is really summed up in the fact that Christ died for us, even, even though we are sinners, even knowing that we're sinners, uh, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, 
lest any man should boast. It's telling us that the same thing Romans 3.23 told us. That all of sin and come short of the glory of God. You, you cannot be saved by works. There's nothing you can do to be saved. You cannot be good enough to go to heaven. Um, it, it's just this is not how it works. You're saved through God alone. Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, not a one, comes to the Father but by me. If you were perfect, could you go to heaven? Sure. Are you perfect? No. We had a basketball tournament Friday and Saturday, and uh, we were playing a game, and a kid traveled. So if you, if you don't, don't know what basketball, you have to dribble the ball. You can't walk with the ball. So a kid caught the ball, and he took this big step and kind of slid his foot. That's a travel. It's against the rules. Refs didn't call it. So the ref's coming by me. I said, that's a travel. And he says, I missed it, coach. I'm sorry. Came back running by the next time. And I said, man, I don't understand. I've never made a mistake. I don't know how you can make a mistake like that. And, and I, we laughed about it. You know, we were just joking, joking with him. And, and, you know, he understood I have made mistakes. As coach, I've made mistakes, right? Uh, no one's perfect. And that's a simple illustration, but the reality is in your life, you know it, unless you're going to lie and joke and do the funny little junior high thing, oh, I'm perfect. Um, we all understand we're not perfect. We've all sinned. And we would all understand that. More than likely, in the last 24 hours, you've sinned. More than likely. Maybe not everybody, but more than likely, in the last 24 hours, you've thought something, you've said something, or you've done something that God is not pleased with. So we understand that we're sinners. And because of our sin, because we're not perfect, we cannot get to heaven on our own. There's nothing that I can do to work my way to heaven. There are people all across the world today who are trying to do something good to gain favor with God so that they can get to heaven. And the Bible tells us that's all for nothing. Because the only way you can be saved is, as verse 8 says, by grace through faith. Faith in the grace of God. Uh, Romans goes on to tell us, again, it's not our actions that save us. You know, there are some people who would say, well, uh, if you pray this prayer, uh, well, that's, that's, that's not how it works. You can't say magic words to, to get you to heaven, right? It's, it's not the way it works. Now, the Bible does say that we, we call upon the Lord. The calling is not what saves us. It's the, it's the belief, the faith in God's grace that saves us. But the Bible tells us, uh, Romans 10 verse 9 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Then it goes on in verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the Bible teaches us, shows us what that faith in God's grace is. It's the understanding I'm a sinner and I deserve hell. Until I come to that understanding that, that I'm a sinner and I cannot get to God on my own, I won't be saved. But when I come to that understanding, I, was, I grew up in a ministry that taught this, uh, and I think it's, I believe it to be right. You know, I grew up in a ministry that had invitations. So at the end of the service, the piano would play and people would come to the front. And I was always told, for all practical purposes, again, no one can know someone's heart, but someone who's sitting down in a chair or a pew and understands their need to be saved, 
And when they get invited to invitation to come to the front so someone can just show them from the Bible, make sure they understand what that means, and maybe even explain to them how to pray, what is prayer, that kind of thing as well. I was always taught the moment that person steps out of the pew, they're, they're saved, more than likely. Because they've already in their heart said, God, I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved. They didn't realize maybe that they prayed that prayer, but, but when they stepped out to come to the front and ask someone, can you please, please tell me how, how can I receive this gift? And they've already done it. Because by faith in God's grace, they've received the fact that they need it. Now, there's, that's different than the knowledge, Right? That's, not, that's not the same. You can have the knowledge that it has to be done and still not make that, if I can use the word, step of faith. That's different. But that, that step out of the pew to come to the front, they've already said, God, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. God, save me. I've also been taught the importance of, of the words, or the lack thereof, of the words. Uh, Bill Rice, who I grew up as an evangelist, I grew up under hearing him preach a million times in my life. He always said, listen, if you're out in the ocean and you're drowning and you're calling to the lifeguard, you don't have to say, oh, Mr. Lifeguard, sir, would you please be so kind to step off your perch, swim out to me, throw me a life, life raft or float of some sort, and pull me into the shore. No, you say, help! And that gets the job done. You see, people who teach you, well, you've got to pray this prayer. That's different than just saying, God, help. Listen, there's nothing magical about words. And I hate using the word magical, but what's magical is God Almighty loving you enough, loving me enough to send his son, as John 3.16 tells us, so that we can receive the gift of salvation. That's the relationship. That's the starting point. That's the introduction. Look in Luke 18. I want you to see these verses. Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on them, but these are, these are good things for you to see if you don't already know them especially. Luke 18. Verse number 10. Luke 18, verse number 10. This is a parable uh, God is teaching. He says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee. We looked at this the other night, and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Look in verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. It's not about a spiritual, super spiritual moment in your life. It's not about this, the words that you pray. It's not about you being better than someone else. It's about you understanding, God, I need you to be merciful to me, a sinner. This is the beginning of our relationship. One other passage, you don't have to turn, it's just two verses, I'll read it quickly. But it's in Matthew 7, and Matthew 7, 22 and 23. And the Bible says here in, in this passage, uh, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And God says, Christ says, and then will I profess unto them, I never 
Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So many people live their life trying to work their way into God's favor. And God says there will be people, many people, who will stand before God one day where God says, you're going to hell. And they'll say, wait a second. I've preached. I prophesied. I've cast out devils all in your name. And God says, I never knew you. Why? Because the relationship never started. You can't just do the good things and expect the same result or a result that's different than what God tells you. God says if you want eternal life, there's only one way to get it. It's through Jesus Christ alone. That's the only way. That's where the relationship starts. And listen, I'm not saying it's bad to do good, right? You understand that. We've talked about that before, and it's a whole other sermon. But we are supposed to do good, but we're supposed to do good because of what God's done in our life. Not doing good to, to work our way into God's favor. The relationship is not in our actions. The relationship is in, in, its, in its deepest, most intimate spot is in our, our faith in God's grace to save us. That's where our relationship starts. And again, someone says, well, how do, I, how do I receive that gift? Just like the Bible says, you just call on him, Lord, save me. It, I mean, you can say it however you want to say it. I've been fortunate enough to hear different people pray and ask God to save them, and, and it, every single one of them has been different. I was a young child, and I've been so blessed and fortunate to grow up under Bible preaching in kids' ministry where, where, I, where there was church going on for the adults, and I was in the kids' class, and I heard it on my level, taught to me in its most simplest form. God loves you. God died for you. Uh, you can be saved. And listen, when I got saved, again, I was young. I still had a lot to learn. But I learned, and, 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 I, and I understood enough to know that I didn't deserve God, but he offered himself to me. And that without him, I was in trouble. And granted, I grew to love God more as I understood better exactly what that meant. But I knew I had a need. And I knew that God could satisfy that need. But I also have friends who were saved in in older years. I've I've had the opportunity to see uh, people older than me, uh, a fair amount older than me, call on Christ to save them. I've seen young people and teenagers and, and young adults and college kids and all these. And, but every single prayer was different. But they all said the same idea. God, I need you to save me. I cannot do it on my own. Lord, I need your help. God, save me. And God says, if you'll call on him, he'll save you. You don't have to do it in front of people. You don't have to. I was so blessed, man. We've had people uh, where, where they, I had someone come up to me once and they said, Pastor, I need to be baptized. And I had no idea they were saved because when I met them, they were not saved. And so anytime someone says they want to be baptized, I said, that's wonderful. Can you share with me when you got saved? And that person said, well, you preached a message on this. And later on that day, I went home and I Asked the Lord to save me. Didn't tell anybody. <laughs> that was a few weeks before they asked to be baptized. Uh, didn't say anything. Didn't tell anybody. But, uh, uh, but I said, that's wonderful. I said, I, I, thank you for telling me. I wish you would have told me a few weeks ago. But thank you. I, that's great. That's wonderful. You see, it, it's, not, it does, it's not a show. Salvation's not a show. 
Now, if you're saved, you should, um, you should, you should, you should tell people. And you should share with other people how they can be saved too. Uh, but that moment uh, of salvation, that's between you and God. And that's you calling. No one else can pray for, pray for you to be saved. They can, they can, they can ask the Lord to, to enlighten you and to show you and to, to, to draw you and all those kinds of things. But, but ultimately, you're the one that has to call on God. They can't call on God for you. You know, our burden for our children to be saved was you know, obviously massive. And we prayed from the moment that we found out we were pregnant, God, please, please, Lord, save our children. And I'm thankful both of my kids have called on the Lord. Both of my kids have been saved. I'm so thankful. I'll tell you, that's a weight that goes off of a parent's shoulder like none other. Whew. Thank you, Lord. But me praying for my kids to be saved didn't save my kids. Now listen, it didn't hurt. But it didn't save my kids. They had to understand their need, and they had to call on God themselves. That's where our relationship starts, is at salvation. That's the beginning, though. You, have to, you know, you have to meet someone before you can have a relationship with them, right? I say that now. It makes it weird because Internet, you can not actually meet someone in any ways. Um, but have you met Jesus? Have you been introduced? You've got to meet him. You have to, that's where everything starts out. But although our relationship begins at salvation... Sin still keeps us from maintaining that right relationship, right? After we're saved, we still have issues with the relationship with God because of something we do. Our sin creates separation, uh, hindrances in, in our relationship with God, and we have to maintain that relationship. So let's look at point number two today. Uh, God promises to do his part to keep and grow the relationship. Point number one is, is, is why I don't have a relationship with God. That's sin. And we saw what we can do to have that relationship. Number two, we need to understand that God promises to do his part to keep and grow the relationship. I 100% believe, and no one can convince me otherwise, that once God saves a person, they cannot lose their salvation. If I can't be uh, good enough to attain salvation, I believe I can't be bad enough to lose my salvation. Now, I say that and understand a Christian, someone who was saved, I, man, this is so much content and, and not part of the message, but I want to make sure I clarify myself. Someone who was saved, God says he changes their life. He creates in them a new creature. They have new desires. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You're going to see a change in a Christian's life. And again, I cannot judge someone's salvation. It's not my job to do so. But if I see someone who says, hey, I just got saved and nothing ever changes, you know, my prayer has always been, Lord, if that person is saved, then help me to be a part of their growth. If that person is not saved, Lord, help me to be a part of evangelizing them. Because just because you pray a prayer or just because you tell people you're saved doesn't mean you are, right? Now, again, only you and God know at the end of the day. But you will see a change. So when I say you can't be bad enough to lose your salvation, what I mean is... Uh, very simply, when I make a mistake, God doesn't say, out of the family. Even if it's a bad mistake. Now, my relationship with God might be hindered, but my salvation doesn't change. Once I'm saved, I'm saved. 
and I'm thankful for that. But the person who says, well, now that I'm saved, I can do whatever I want, I question if they got saved. Because God says, I create a new creature in you. You have new desires. Anyways, that's just, I wanted to clarify that. But maintaining this relationship, we've got to understand that God's, God's not going to be the problem. And God's not going to be the problem in this relationship. Hebrews 13, 5 says he'll never leave us or forsake us. Uh, Colossians 2, uh, let's turn there. Colossians 2, I want you to see this one. You've probably heard it. Maybe if you're like me, you're really bad. I'm really bad with references. Um, you could say, doesn't the Bible say this? And I might be able to quote it to you, but, uh, um, <laughs> but I probably won't know where it is. Uh, that's, that's me. I'm probably the only one like that. I know all of you guys are super spiritual and have it all memorized. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Look at verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. All right, so what he says is, is that at salvation, God took the ordinances that were against you, and he uses the language of their day, right? It's written down. It's all there for everyone to see, and he blots it out. He redacts it. It's gone. Nobody can see it. God doesn't view it anymore. And, and, and how did he do that? He nailed it to his cross. Literally. Your sin was put onto Jesus, and Jesus was nailed to a cross. He took your sin and he said, I'm blotting it out as salvation. I, I, I'm forgiving you all your trespasses. In uh, Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. We live in a spherical world, no matter who tells you otherwise. And in a circle, there's no beginning or end, right? As far as the east is from the west. You understand what that means? There's not a point where you go, okay, that's west and that's east. And we look at a map that's flat, that's west, that's east. But God doesn't say, okay, I put your sin over here on this side of the map and, and, and over here on this side of the map's you. Because when you fold that map up, what happens? They're right next to each other. Okay, but a sphere, a circle, there is no point. So when he says, as far as the east is from the west, he's saying it's gone. And we have to understand that if God says, I will do my part to keep and grow the relationship, what he's saying, he's saying, if you sin, I'll forgive you. I'll do my part. And I'll take whatever mistake that you make, and I'll get rid of it. Now, I'm telling you, if you've made a mistake, <laughs> this should be pretty exciting. Now, I've not made a mistake. 
right? If you're like me and you make mistakes on a pretty regular basis, and you look at this and you hear God say, hey, I'm going to take your sin to maintain this relationship. He says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess it, I'll forgive it. I'll cleanse it. I'll wash it to the slate clean. I'll do my part to maintain this relationship and grow this relationship. That brings us to point number three. What can I do then to grow my relationship? God says, I'm going to do my part. So now what's my part? What am I supposed to do to grow this relationship? Well, let me give you some very basic, very simple things you've probably heard before. But let's look at it together. Number one, I have to talk to God regularly. Listen, a relationship, we always use the marriage relationship, but it's if you don't communicate, there is no relationship. Right? We probably all have friends that we had growing up at some point in our younger life that we haven't talked to in ages. I got friends from college that I spent almost every day with in college that I haven't talked to in nearly 20 years. You say, well, I see them on Facebook. That's not a relationship. I mean, I got friends, I'm telling you. And listen, when, when we do see each other, we're friendly. Right, I got a friend Jesse. Jesse came here, his family came to the ark uh, uh, a year or two ago. And they, 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 he shot me a message before he came. He said, hey, what time's your service? Do you want us to drop in? And Jesse came and his family came and they came to his church service. I hadn't seen or talked to him in 12 years maybe. And when he walked through the door, man, we, we were so excited to see each other. And we talked and we caught up and, and everything was great. You know, like, like nothing had happened in between. And then, he, and then he left. You know, how many times have I talked to Jesse since then? <laughs> We've messaged a couple times because he's been very generous and, and he sent the church gifts. And, and so, oh man, I'll reach out to him. Hey, thank you so much. really appreciate that. It means a lot. That's the communication I have with him. That's not a relationship. Do we have some form of relationship? Sure. But it's not a, it's not a maintained relationship. You got to talk, you got to communicate. And God says in 1 Thessalonians 5:17, pray without ceasing. You got to talk to God. And listen, again, it doesn't benefit him, it benefits me. He's going to do his part, which is listen, hear, and he's going to answer. He's going to he's going to respond. He's going to do his part to maintain the relationship. i got to do my part. You know what? God speaks to me even when I don't speak to him. Now, he might stop if I don't ever respond. But, but he speaks to me. He tells me, Vince, don't do this. That's not Jiminy Cricket. He says, Vince, don't do this. If you don't get that, I apologize. It's not, it's not your conscience. It's God speaking. Okay? Jiminy Cricket, he's on a, he's on a movie. He was in the conscience. Okay. Just, who knows? Uh, he's more than that. He says, Vince, don't do this. Or he says, Vince, do this. He speaks to me. Do I listen? Because when I speak to him, he does listen. I got to talk to him regularly. If I want to maintain and grow the relationship with God, I have to talk to him regularly. Number two, I have to listen to God. This is great. This is great stuff, man. This is so deep. Uh, Talk to him, but don't, don't talk so much that you don't ever hear what God says. I, I, I gave this advice to several people, 
and they say, I'm praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and I just can't hear God say anything back. I say, go into a quiet room. If you don't have it, go out to a field. We were in Indiana. There were fields everywhere. I said, go out in the middle of a field and pardon my language and shut up. You want to hear God? You've got to stop talking sometimes. A lot of times we hear God, we just don't like what he says, so we pretend we don't hear him. But the reality is, is if I want to maintain a relationship with God, not only do I have to talk to him regularly, I have to listen to what he says. Psalm 46.10, be still. That means be quiet and know that I am God. In your quietness, you can hear God speak. It says oftentimes God speaks to us in a still, small voice. And man, we want the fire from heaven, and we want the loud booming, and we want the fiery bush, and the earthquakes. Not, that's probably a bad illustration right now, but the, uh, the, the, the loudness of God. And the reality is God oftentimes has a very still, small voice. When I was in college, I went to a church and uh, helped with the kid ministry there at the church. And I uh, had a husband-wife duo that, that did the class. And then they let, I taught every so, um, so many weeks and helped with crowd control and different things. And she, the, the lady, was one of the sweetest ladies in the world. And she was great with kids. She was not a loud person. And so if the kids started chattering, 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 she wouldn't stop talking. She would start whispering. In the middle of her lesson. And all the kids all of a sudden got quiet, trying to hear what she was saying. We've got to be quiet so we can hear what God's telling us. Can God be a booming voice? Sure he can. But honestly, that's not what he does typically. He often speaks quietly, so that means we're going to have to be quiet and listen. Listen to what God says, but not just be quiet. We have to take what God says and do something about it, right? But what we hear, you know, I grew up under Patched a Pirate and my quiet time alone. Uh, there is an important moment in our day that we need to be quiet and listen to what God has to say to us. Number three, we've got to talk to him regularly, listen to God. Number three, and as important as anything else, we've already covered it, we'll talk about it again, get sin taken care of. If I have sin in my life, I need to go to God and confess it. Again, 1 John 1, 9, if I confess. That word if is important. If I confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I have to confess my sins to God. When I sin, I need to go to him. And listen, you shouldn't do this where, well, I'm just going to store it up throughout the week, and at the end of the week, I'll, I'll empty out the trash. No, 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 no. It's got to be taken care of. You know, I find it, I, I know uh, very little about Catholicism. I know John, John knows a lot about it, but... Um, you know, what I've seen about Catholicism, you have these people that come into the confessional booth and they say, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. And this is just what they do in the movies. Uh, so I don't know if it's real or not. But he says, he says, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. It has been so many weeks or months since my last confession. That's not how we're supposed to do it. We don't go to God and say, well, God, you know, I came here a month ago and now it's that, that time where I'm going to come in again and, and just unload everything that I've done. No, we're supposed to do it immediately. Why? Because our relationship with God is dependent on it. And if I have a sin in my life, 
then my relationship with God is going to be hindered. But if I confess it, God will forgive it, and my relationship's restored. And when I say relationship, I'm not talking about salvation, right? We're all, we've, I hope we've already covered that. If we're saved, we're saved. But we still have a relationship with God. And that means God's provision, God's protection, God's guidance, God's whatever. It's all included in this relationship. And the closer I am to God, the more I, more I benefit. But sin takes my benefits and cuts them. My relationship is hindered. So if I want to grow that relationship, I have to talk to him. I have to listen to him. I have to get sin taken care of. Number four, and I know it's stereotypical and every preacher says it and everybody goes, okay, whatever, pastor, go to church. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Why would God tell us that if it wasn't important? The church has been established for training. The church has been established for for learning. The church has been established for edification, for growth, for encouragement. People think, man, the church has been established so people can be saved. No, 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 no. The church has been established so that Christians can learn how to go out and tell people how to be saved. Do we rejoice when people come to church and get saved? Yes! But the church is not established to evangelize. The church is established to teach people how to evangelize. And there's so much more in the Christian life than that. But I'll tell you what, if you forsake the assembling of ourselves together, you're going to miss out. And your relationship with God is not going to be where it's supposed to be. Now listen, who cares if the pastor understands? God understands and God knows. That can be positive or negative. God knows why you don't come to church. Before I was a pastor, not since, amazingly enough, before I was a pastor, I would wake up on Sunday, Sunday morning and say, I just don't feel it. It wasn't really anything wrong. I just, just wasn't feeling it that day. So what do we tell the pastor? Hey, preacher, just so you know, not going to be there today. A little under the weather. What did a little under the weather mean? Not always, right? A little under the weather meant I woke up, I'm tired, I don't want to get out of bed. Or if I get out of bed, I don't want to put on clothes uh, that, uh, that I'm okay with people seeing me in. And I, don't, I just don't want to go. Now listen, the pastor says, man, I'm praying for you. I hope you get better soon. <laughs> he should have been praying. I hope you repent. <laughs> but he's praying, I hope you get better soon. Because he doesn't know. He's not going to see me till Wednesday night or until next Sunday. He doesn't know. But God did. But God also understands and knows when you wake up and you do feel bad. And God knows what's going on in your life. And God, God isn't going to say, listen, you got the flu, you better get to church. Amen, brother. You don't miss church. That's not what God says. He says, don't forsake. What does that mean? It means don't choose. Don't choose. To not go. If the choice is made for you, you're sick. Nobody wants the flu. Don't come to church if you got the flu. Don't come to church if you got COVID. Don't come to church if you've got something that you can pass on to someone else. We get that. But who cares if we get it? God gets it. That's what matters. God understands and God knows both ways, good and bad, right? He says, don't forsake. Don't make the choice. Don't choose. I am not going. 
because it's going to hinder your relationship with him. It's going to affect you. It's not going to affect God. It only affects you. Go to church. And within that, it says the, uh, we exhort one another and so much the more. Okay, number five. We need to keep moving. Sorry, food's cooking. Okay, here we go. Uh, number five, study the Bible on your own. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How are you going to stand before someone and share the Bible with them and have the answers if you don't study for yourself? You won't. You won't have, you'll stand ashamed. So stand unashamed before God and before others by studying your Bible and knowing what it says. Acts 17, 11, There were none, noble, no, none more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. They, they checked for themselves to see if what was being preached was what the Bible said. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. You have to study your Bible to know if truth is being taught. And I've always said this, I sure hope you trust me as your pastor to present the Bible to you truthfully. But you should know what the Bible says and you should be able to hold it up, what I say, up to Scripture and see that it's true. But if you don't say the Bible on your own, you're just going to say, whatever pastor says I'm going to believe, listen, I promise I try my hardest to, to present truth to you. But if you're only going to take a man's word for it, at some point you're probably going to miss something or, or he's going to present it wrong or something. Know the Bible. Know what it says. Lastly, trust God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge him and let him direct your paths. Proverbs, it, it's such a great verse. It's, it, we learn it as kids, and I think sometimes we just kind of pass over it quickly and understand the great depth that's there. Trust God with everything that you have. Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. He knows more than you. And he knows a whole lot more than me. And he's able to do a whole lot more than what you're thinking. You say, God, I need you to do this, this, and this so that I can get this. God says, boy, I can do a whole lot more than that. And I wonder sometimes when God, uh, I, I believe God has a sense of humor, uh, but I, I wonder sometimes when God says, okay, that's what you asked for, that's what you'll get. Why don't I just trust him with my situation? God, here's my situation. Can you please take care of it, however you see fit? God, here's my need. Lord, can you please supply it however you see fit? We don't need to plan it out for God. Trust him. Tell him what your need is and let him take care of it. Tell him what your worry is and let him calm it. Tell him what your care is let him cover it for you. As kids growing up in church, I feel like we're taught to fear God and that he's scary. And to some extent, I guess that can be true. If we're doing wrong, that's scary. But we have to see God as what he is. He's loving, he's caring, and he's providing. And the benefit I get for having a relationship with God far outweighs any benefit I can get without God. And to know that God desires to know me, and God desires for me to know him. And God desires to, to be in a relationship with me where he can take care of my every need. What am I doing to hinder it?
James 4 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Like we read in Psalm as well, draw to God, come to him. We need to get that right relationship with God. We have to know who God is. And we do all that through scripture, both personal and corporate or church time. We've got to build that relationship. Pray, listen, go to God for forgiveness of your sins. Do what God says, including go to church. Study the Bible on your own time and just pour your trust onto him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And let him cultivate a relationship that brings you so much benefit. I'm telling you, you will not regret it. Lord, help us. Help us to be in the right relationship with you. Lord, help us to see where we are lacking. Lord, help us to understand what we're missing. Lord, help us to to desire a relationship with you just as you desire one with us. And God, I pray that you would grow us in wisdom and in knowledge. Lord, help us to do these things. And there's more than what we've talked about this morning, but... Or these things that you've laid out for us to do, to, to, to do our part in the relationship. Lord, help us to be faithful in those areas. And Lord, again, I pray if there's anyone here today that has not yet started that relationship with you, Lord, I pray today they understand that it's available for them if they'll just receive it. Lord, help us, I pray in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, may I ask you to